Thoughts at Random Podcast. I'm your lovely host, Amy, and today my lighting setup is just the teensiest bit better. Hopefully I can color correct this and it won't look so freaking grainy like my last couple of podcasts have been, so that I apologize for, but slowly but surely I'm figuring this whole setup thing out. But I have had a few things I've wanted to talk about that I've thought about. Um, so I'm going to try to make this as seamless as possible, meaning not as many cuts, and um, yeah, I do end up saying a lot of things that are like messed up, or not messed up, but like I'll mess up things that I say and I sometimes cut it out, or I'll just have long pauses. I'll try to leave those in a little more. We'll see what happens. First thing I wanted to talk about, which is really the only thing that's been on my mind lately, is um the Borat subsequent movie film, the new Borat movie. Um, it's... I don't even know where to start with that movie. I just, I think it's actually my favorite movie of the year. Bill and Ted 3 being the second runner-up for best movie of 2020. But, um, and I'm sorry, I mean, Bill and Ted is a very nostalgic movie, which I barely saw a week ago. Same with the Borat movie. And um, I, I love them both, so please don't get me wrong. I love them both. They were both very great movies. They were both done very well. So please don't hate on me for saying that Bill and Ted was second place for me. That's just for me personally. But um, I love Borat a little more because it made me laugh a little more. And um, I guess... I hate to say it, I'll give you people who grew up with Bill and Ted the rite of passage here and tell you all that, you know, it's probably more for those of you who grew up with it rather than someone younger like me. Um, but I technically grew up with Bill and Ted. I was like 13 when I first watched uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Um, I know I watched the second one first. I don't remember watching the first one first, and I, I always get them mixed up. I can't remember which one's the first one and which one's the second one. I think Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was first. I watched Bogus Journey first, and then I, later on, was able to watch Excellent Adventure. And I liked them both, but I gotta say, I do like the second one more than the first one. Sorry, I was rambling about that. I wanted to talk about Borat. So the Borat, new Borat movie, if you have access to it, please watch it. I, I actually think... It was so brilliantly done. And here's the thing. I find it funny because the first Borat movie, apparently, when I when I think back on it, I was like in fourth or fifth grade when the first Borat movie came out. So I was a child. I was too young to understand it. I didn't watch the movie, excuse me, I didn't watch the movie until I was like 11 years old. Again, still too young to understand it. So back then, I was like, holy crap, this movie's stupid, it's weird, it, it had a lot of things in it that I didn't understand because I was just too young to understand. Um, but for the new Borat movie, I was able to understand it much better because now I'm much older and I understand the first Borat movie as well because, again, I'm much older and better able to understand these things. And let me tell you something, I did not know that most of the movie, like the people he met, I didn't know that was all real. I didn't know, I mean, if I'm if I'm wrong, please correct me, but I didn't know that it was all real. I didn't know those people were actually, like, 
not aware of who he was and reacting to him. And even if they were aware of who he was, they really, like... I don't know. Their reactions all seem to take the cake. And I gotta tell you what. As offensive as the movies are, they speak a lot of truth that I think is very important for our country to open its eyes to. And, um... That's all I'm gonna say on that. I'm not gonna get political. I know it technically is, but I don't really care. I don't care what side of the political spectrum you're on. I think Borat is hilarious, especially the newer one. And I gotta tell you, it's just incredible what this guy comes up with. Sasha Baron Cohen is a very, very funny, intelligent man, and uh, I give him big props. <laughs> this movie was brilliant, and dude, I love you. If I ever get to speak with you, I... I just want to tell you, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> well, I'm only a fan of Borat. I'm not going to say I'm a huge fan of all your other films because I haven't seen them. But I definitely love, love Borat. I think now that I understand the meaning behind it, I understand why it's funny and I love it all the more. Um, <clears throat> but wow. My, I, I, I want to talk about my favorite scene from the movie, but I don't, well, I guess I can. You guys can look it up if you haven't seen it, but, um, there's a part in the movie where Borat disguises himself as, um, a country singer. And for those of you who know what I'm, t who've seen the film, you, you probably know what I'm alluding to, but, um... He goes to, like, a conservative rally, and this is not a spoiler, this has, like, this has no real, like, context, really. It's just kind of something that happens in the movie, um, but it does lead to something else, but it, I don't have to tell you that part, because it's not too important. What is important is what happens when Borat dresses up as the country singer at this rally, um, and you can very much tell it's a conservative rally. You know, Confederate flags everywhere, People wearing American flag hats, MAGA hats, all kinds of stuff. So very conservative. And um, gun-toting people. Yeah, anyway. It's hilarious to me because he wrote a song. It's really funny when you understand why he sang it. And it's hilarious to me because the people in the crowd of this rally just completely ate it up and they were all laughing and cheering and while it wasn't you know the songs morals well the song didn't really have a moral compass but uh, the people who laughed along and agreed with the song it's kinda of funny to see how they just went along with it it was saddening but funny nonetheless it's just the song is so outrageous, you know? I think it's the shock value of the song that makes people laugh because it's just so... It's one of those things that, like, you just know it's so ridiculous that when someone says it or sings it, it just becomes funny because you know that no... You would think that no one in their right mind would say that and mean it, but apparently people do. And I don't necessarily want to repeat the lyrics of the song because I don't want to get hate and I don't want to get flagged or anything. But you have to you have to look it up. It's there's clips of it here on YouTube. Apparently, people have gotten the full version of the of the song on their phones. I found a full recording of the song not too long ago. I didn't watch the whole thing, but it was a pretty decent little song and a very real environment. And I I encourage you all to watch it if you can. It's just, to me it's funny. Only again because of the, the satire. I don't agree with the song in any way, shape, or form. 
and um, I will warn you if you're a little bit sensitive to this kind of thing um, there's people that give offensive gestures whilst uh, the song is playing and um, it just shows you that there are some people in this country who have mindsets that are not exactly up to par with the rest of us who feel a different way um, and I say up to par because I don't necessarily think that I don't want to hate on them because they're 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 just they they have to be taught a different way they they're they've been taught a wrong way they've been shown a wrong way so I think their mindset can technically be considered behind the times they just need to catch up with the rest of us and I think the only way to do that is to educate them and I'm again I'm not gonna get into it but that's just what I feel I'm not defending their actions I just think they need to be educated and catch up to the rest of us who feel or know that hey that we're past that now you need to not do those offensive gestures and you have to realize why those gestures are offensive and why they're wrong and hopefully they can learn and move past it and become a little bit more better caught up with society um, so that's all I have to say about that <laughs> well about that one issue with the song other than that that scene is pretty genius and uh, I don't know why that song is so catchy <laughs> so be warned it might be a song you might want to sing out loud or along to because it's just so catchy it might get stuck in your head it's gotten stuck in my head quite a lot in the past week since I've seen it and I don't know man I, I and the only thing that keeps me from singing it is that it's so offensive in its nature um, and that's like the one scene that I think of the most other than um, well there's a lot of scenes from that movie that'll make you go wow but there's a scene the scene with Rudy Giuliani I know Sasha Baron Cohen has talked about the scene with his um, his um, I want to say co-actress, but I know that's not the right word, but you guys know what I mean. Co-star, that's it. His co-star, he talked with his co-star, the woman that plays, uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember her name. I think her name is Maria. She's Bulgarian, and she uh, starred in this movie with him as his 15-year-old daughter. Um, and she plays a very big role in this movie, obviously, and, and um, it's it's... There was a part where she interacts with Rudy Giuliani, which, because, like I said, before a while ago, I didn't know that this was all real. Um, I really thought that, you know, I, I, I saw that it was the real Giuliani at first, when she was first starting to interview him. But then when he takes her to a different room, I thought for real that it was a body double because I thought it was all scripted and fake and I legitimately thought that it was just set up to be that way and that it was a body double. I didn't think that if this were scripted that Rudy Giuliani would have partaken in a scene like that. I thought for sure it would have been somebody that looked like him doing whatever it was they were gonna do and then when I find out it's real and it's actually him now I'm like Oh my god. <laughs> and yes, Rudy Giuliani has tweeted about that scene in particular 
trying to defend what he was doing, or what it looked like he was doing. And Sasha Baron Cohen has said to just watch the movie, uh, what you see, you know, it is what it is. He did what he did. That's, that's like literally what he said. And I have to watch that scene again because when I watched it the first time, I said yikes a lot because I was like, oh my god, this can't be real. Like, she... Okay, uh, Borat's daughter in the movie is clearly a minor. I mean, the actress herself is not a minor. At least I don't think she is. But the, the daughter is 15 and she clearly stated that at some point. I th I'm not sure if she stated in the scene, but I think she did say that she was young, like that she was 15. And I think Rudy Giuliani was aware and still went to the back with her. And, and, and there's just so many problems with it, you know. For one, whether he knew or not that she was 15, I think he's... Isn't he married? Is, isn't he, like... He was basically going to be unfaithful to his wife. Secondly... I don't know how old this dude is, but obviously he's very old. He's up there in age. I'm sorry, no offense to Rudy Giuliani, but dude's up there in age. Quite obvious when you look at him. He ain't 22 no more, okay? He's up there in age. And he was gonna get jiggy with it with this girl who was clearly a lot younger than him. I mean, if she was a consenting adult, like a legal adult, that would have been okay. It wouldn't have really mattered to me so much. You know, if they were legal consenting adults, I wouldn't have cared so much. It was just the fact that she was 15, you know, whether she was really 15 or not, doesn't matter. It, if, if in his mind he thought she was 15 and still went along with this, uh, that is not right. Not right in the slightest. And I think if he did know that, we all need to take that into consideration and really, you know, something needs to be said and done about that. Because that wasn't, that wasn't right in any way, shape, or form. Um, and whatever he thought he was doing or thought was going to happen didn't happen. But it's still, you know, his initial reaction to all of it says quite a lot. And if you don't say yikes at least once, or think it at least once, then something's wrong. Or, you know, the rest of us are just reading into it too much. But you'll see, if you watch the movie and you come to that scene, you'll see for yourself. There's pretty much no context other than that. Um, Borat's daughter is basically disguised as a reporter to interview him because she wants to give herself to him. And, uh... Yeah. <laughs> That being said, sorry, it's a little, that light is a little bright and it's shining right in the, my peripheral vision and I'm trying not to look at it, but it's the only bright light I really had to uh, improve this setup since it's really dark in this room and I don't have a lot of light to work with. Um, so anyway, and I'm sitting cross-legged on this chair. I like to sit in big chairs with my legs crossed. I don't know why, it's just something I've always done. Um, so that's why if you see me messing with my hands down here, or with, if you see like my knee, the shadow of my knee move, it's because I'm shifting my legs to be cross-legged. Um, I would point the camera down, but I, I don't want to point it. Okay, I have it set up the way I like it, okay? So here, you can see my knees right here. Anyway. <laughs> so. Um... 
I don't really have much else to say other than I think the Borat movie is a very brilliant film. I recommend it. Please watch it. No matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, please, 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 please watch the movie. You will get a kick out of it. And if you don't, then take a look at yourself. Because if it offends you, then maybe it means that something inside you is wrong. Because there's a lot of messed up crap that happens in this movie. And a lot of it has revolves around like people's reactions that they interact with. And it, it's really odd. Like, some people react so odd to the things that these two present. Borat and his daughter, they present a lot of odd behavior. And people's reactions to it are a little bit, like, you know, not normal. Like, the, me, I was going, what the f***? A lot of times when they did certain things. And some people were, like, smiling or just playing along with it or not batting an eye. And I'm like, how are you not, you know, like, like, look at what they're doing. Are you not, are you, like, blind? Are you just not caring? Are you not paying attention? You know, look at what's happening. But whatever, you know, I guess there's some people in this world that are just weird. Or messed up. I don't know. I don't want to judge people, but my god, some of these reactions these people gave just make you go, wow. Like, I cannot believe certain people in this world are the way they are. And it's a little bit frightening, but hopefully, you know, hopefully those people aren't doing anything to hurt anybody, and if they are, I hope they are caught and dealt with appropriately. Other than that, Borat's a good movie. I guess I'll talk about Bill and Ted 3. Um, I did like the movie quite a lot. Um, it's been a while since I had seen the second one, or the first one. I watched it maybe, like, a few months ago, probably in quarantine, because when we heard that Bill and Ted 3 was going to come out, we immediately, uh, streamed the first movie, just to kind of catch us up on what happened. But I remember the second movie pretty well, because, again, I watched that one way more, and I liked it way more, and I don't, I don't know why, I can't really explain why, I just really liked the feel of Bill and Ted 2. But anyway, the third movie, I really, really love the two actresses that played uh, the daughters, Billy and Thea. I'm gonna look them up, hold on, because I, I should have done this before, I'm sorry. But, um, uh, what's her name? Billy Logan actress. Bridget Lundy Payne. I hope I said that right. Is it Bridget Lundy Payne or Lundy Payne? Oh, she's 26 years old. She's only two years older than me. But she's gorgeous. I love her. Okay, she is beautiful. And so is the girl who plays Thea. Thea Preston. Sorry, forgive me for my ignorance. They are so... Samara, Samara, or Sam, I'm gonna say Samara, I think that's how you say it. Samara Weaving. That's, they are so beautiful, okay? Beautiful, 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 okay? In, in their looks and in the way they act, like their acting skills as their, as, as Bill and Ted's daughters, I loved it. You know, I will say I do feel that maybe um, Billy's screen time, no, I shouldn't say screen time because they often appeared on screen together. 
they were hardly ever separated. Actually, I don't think they were ever separated. They were always on screen together. Both actresses were on screen together. Billy and Thea were, like, literally inseparable, you know? And I thought it was kind of cute that they grew up together. Um, and they were just like their dads, which, you know, normally would seem a little bit like... kind of like a cliché in most movie tropes, you know? That, that you know, that the offspring of a famous character ends up being just like the parent. I think sometimes that's a little cliche, but I don't know. They made it so that it's it's appropriate. Like they're they're just like their dads and like their mannerisms and the way they talk, but they're st but they still hold their own and I like that. I like that they gave these women a chance to not just be two beautiful women in front of a screen for people to ogle at and go, oh, they're Bill and Ted's daughter, cool. No, they like have personalities of their own and I love that they are so f***ing smart. These characters, these girls are so f***ing smart that I just am in awe that, um, this is not really a spoiler, but in the movie, these two girls at their age are not doing anything with their lives. They're like 24 in the movie, they have no jobs, no aspirations to really do anything. They just love listening to music and hanging out. Kind of like their dads were when they were their age, I guess, but... They're so smart! Like, you see throughout the movie, they, these girls are so intelligent and so driven and so passionate about music and just passionate about you know, because they kind of have to save the world. Obviously in Bill and Ted 3 you know that Bill and Ted have some saving to do of the world and the universe and these girls end up finding a way to partake in it. And you just, I can't even explain it. You just, if you watch it, they're so smart. I love that they made these women independent. You know, yes, they're always with each other, but as two individual women, they, they're strong, they're independent, and they're so smart. And I personally feel like if Bill and Ted weren't uh, the, the protagonists of the movie, which they technically... You know what, I guess you could debate that Bill and Ted are not really the protagonists, but the daughters are. Like, they... I feel like they could have single-handedly done the whole thing themselves, but they really couldn't because, you know, if you watch the movie, the plot doesn't exactly work that way. Obviously, Bill and Ted are the main component of everything. Um, and I don't want to really go into it because I think it's something you kind of just have to see and... The movie isn't exactly fresh on my mind, I did just watch it once a week ago, but I do love the two actresses that play Billy and Thea. Very beautiful as, as, as women, you know, and I'm not saying that they're attractive. They are attractive, but I'm, I like that, you know, I'm complimenting them as another woman. Woman to woman, I think they are beautiful, okay? This is not like an attractive hot thing or whatever, because I know most men or people who review movies that happen to be men would probably be like, oh yeah, they're hot. But that's not what this is about. You know, I'm just complimenting very, from from the kindness of my heart, saying these women are beautiful. Um, that aside, they are wonderful actresses. I feel like they captured the personality of their father roles pretty well. Um, it was pointed out to me that um, the... The way Bridget plays Billy really captures, like, the way Ted holds himself, like, just his body, like, the way he drops his shoulders and his arms, and the way he holds his mouth. She does it, like, spot on, and the way she talks, like, dude, sounds almost just like him, but in a girly way, which, yes, technically that's what it's supposed to be, but she just, like, embodies 
what you would imagine Ted's daughter would be so well that I can't imagine anybody else playing the role of either Bill or Ted's daughter. I think they cast the two most perfect people to play Bill and Ted's daughters because they're just so, I don't know, I, I'm sorry, I can't think of the right words other than perfect. I just think it was just so perfectly done, you know? They capture their dad's accents very well, they capture their mannerisms well, and then, you know, it, instead of just being, you know, they, they really passed the torch well here, I think, um, if you want to call it that. I am not sure if Billy and Thea were technically characters in which the torch was passed to. I guess you could technically say that, but, you know, it wasn't just so cliche, like, well, of course they're gonna pass the torch because they're the daughters. It wasn't like that. It was more like these two characters in the movie, the daughters, took it upon themselves when they didn't really have to, which I like that. They didn't really have to do anything. They took it upon themselves. When they heard what was going on and the situation their dads were in, they were like, you know what? Maybe we should do something. Maybe we should help them. Maybe we should take it upon ourselves to make it easier for them or help them uh, do what they need to do to save the universe. And they went on a journey all on their own. They didn't tag along with their dads. They didn't ride their dads' coattails. They did it all on their own. They figured it all out with their own knowledge of music and what they knew about time and time traveling. They were so smart. Oh my god. It was just amazing to see how well they held themselves and that they didn't need anybody's help. They just kind of figured it out and it worked so well. It was so fluid how they just went through time and space and constructed everything they constructed. And it was just so beautiful to see that these two women could hold their own on screen rather than them just being ditzes that were just Bill and Ted's daughters. And that they were only there in the movie because they were Bill and Ted's daughters. I liked that they actually had a purpose. And that the purpose wasn't just to be there. It was because they wanted to be there. It was just, they took it upon themselves, the initiative Sorry, it's, I'm sorry if this is all over the place. I just love it. I love that women in movies are now becoming huge and it's not a liberal, like, women need to be in movies more as the protagonist. It's not even like that, but I do have to say this one time, I do appreciate it. It wasn't like the girl Ghostbusters, and I'm not even going to get into that because I don't, I don't disagree with the girl Ghostbusters, but I'll, I'll get into that in a bit. I don't disagree with the girl Ghostbusters. I did enjoy the new Ghostbusters very much. Um, I'm just saying, in comparison to this movie where the girls kind of take over and the torch is passed on to them, this is this is different, okay? These girls were still able to hold their own. It, you know, yes, we knew they were Bill and Ted's daughters, but they weren't, you know... They weren't necessarily spitting images of them, other than that they looked like them and talked like them. They were still their own people. They still lived their own lives and had their own personality. They had their own thoughts and feelings. And, again, they were beautifully independent, smart females who maybe had no direction in life, but once they found something to do, they just took it on like that, and they went with it, and they did it, and they did it really well, and I just, I loved it, you know, because normally that doesn't always happen with anybody, men or women. Sometimes, 
you know, and sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. You know, sometimes people fall flat on their face. Like Bill and Ted, um, oh gosh, okay, this is kind of a spoiler, I'm sorry. Bill and Ted, as we see in the beginning of the movie, we learn that Bill and Ted did not actually end up writing the song that united the world. They ended up, pro not procrastinating, but they ended up spinning their wheels and their lives didn't really change. And what I think Face the Music means in this movie is that Bill and Ted basically had to grow up and accept that, you know, because we, we learned throughout the movie that Bill and Ted never really learned to accept responsibility for their choices until they traveled through all of time and realized that even right on their deathbed, they... Uh, on their deathbed, technically, they wrote the song, but not really. They had, they handed Bill and, T Bill and Ted's dying selves. They went to the future to see when they die, and the, when Bill and Ted were on their deathbed, they handed the younger Bill and Ted, which is the now Bill and Ted, the 2020 Bill and Ted, they handed them a uh, copy of the song on, like, a little flash drive, and, um... They didn't even end up really using the flash drive, which is weird to me because that's usually those things kind of come full circle. And the only way they really used the flash drive is that the flash drive had Preston Logan written on it, like Preston slash Logan. And they looked at the flash drive and looked at their daughters and was like, oh, you guys are the, the people who write the song, not us. I mean, you are still Preston Logan, but you're, you're yourselves. Like, you are an extension of us but you're still you. That, that I, I guess that was like the moment the torch was passed, technically. So, um... Sorry, I had a point to that. But, um... That's just another reason why I think the movie is brilliant, because the torch was passed so well. You know, I kind of find it weird that they didn't necessarily have Bill and Ted originally be the people who united the world because that's how it was written in the first two movies that it happened but you know I just think you know there, there's there's a weird uh, that's like a I don't know if it's a continuity thing some people would argue it isn't I really can't say for sure but to me it's like if you know George Carlin is Rufus if he I don't know what am I trying to say here why did he go to Bill and Ted to make this shit happen and not the daughters? Because, you know, if, if, if it were meant to be Bill and Ted, it would have been Bill and Ted. But in this movie, Bill and Ted aren't the ones that do it. It's their daughters. And you would think that, you know, if it was, you know, if, if, if it was meant to be that way, don't you think Rufus would have just cut to the chase and went straight to the daughters instead of Bill and Ted? But then again, who knows? Maybe Bill and Ted had to be pushed through all that. But then again, all of this is like a paradox, you know? The whole Bill and Ted universe is a paradox, you know? None of what uh, would have happened in the future would have happened if Rufus didn't go to Bill and Ted in the first place and say, hey, you're supposed to make this shit happen. So it all happens only because Rufus went back in time to Bill and Ted and said that it would and that they were supposed to do it. So he basically made them do it. And if he hadn't made them do it, who knows what the future would have been like? It wouldn't have been like what they said it was. So, heck, I don't know. 
it, it's just so weird. It's such a weird paradox that I don't know if anyone's ever really addressed it. And if you have, maybe people just don't care because they love the movie so much. Which, you know, I guess it's fine. It's nostalgic. It was a good movie. I think it stands well on its own. Um, I really got nothing else to say. So, um... If you haven't watched it, please watch it. I know I'm very late to the party, but I guess when Bill and Ted 3 first came out, I wasn't really ready to watch it just yet. Um, I don't really know what stopped me. I guess it just wasn't a priority at the time. But I finally got to see it, and I was really happy I did. It was a nice little movie. Um, I think if it patched up like the ending, like if this is the actual ending to the Bill and Ted franchise, then I think it's a very satisfying one. Um, I really wouldn't take it anywhere else after this. I really hope they don't do another uh, spin-off thing with like the daughters. It would be nice, it'd be cool, but I just don't think there's a reason for it. And uh, I could see it happening, but you know, then it would make the story more complicated and I don't think there needs to be anything more added. Like, you know, what was supposed to be accomplished was accomplished. And putting anything more to the story would just, I think, make it so that you're basically... Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, running the well dry, basically. Like, if that makes any sense. There was a phrase I was looking for and I couldn't find it, so that's what came to mind. But it would be like taking from... A dry well. I don't know. It'd be like... No, I guess not. Because a lot of you would probably argue that, you know, if there was a spin-off from uh, Billy and Thea doing their own thing and having their own franchise, there could be a lot done with it. Um, so who, who am I to talk, you know? I, I take back what I said. It, it's, it's prob it probably would be a very popular franchise, and it would probably do really well, because, like I said, they made Billy and Thea such awesome characters that could stand on their own, because they're not just extensions of Bill and Ted, they are their own people, and they're really fucking awesome. Like I said, they are cool chicks. Like, they're, they're wonderful. Okay, they're, they're wonderful characters on their own. And if they weren't just the daughters of... If they weren't daughters of Bill and Ted, I think they would still be pretty cool. Which is, again, that's what I was trying to say before. That's why they're so cool, is that even if they weren't the daughters of Bill and Ted, they still hold their own as characters because they're still very interesting and still very complex, intelligent, just wonderful human beings that I think would interest people as if that we were being introduced to Bill and Ted fresh, but as girls. So, that being said, Bill and Ted 3. Good movie. Um, I didn't cry at the end, but I probably will if I watch it again, because I'd have to see like all three movies in a row to, to really fully get like the fullest out of it. I'm sorry if anything I'm saying is not making sense. I'm trying to make this as fluid as possible, but my mind, again, because my mind goes all over the place and I lose track of myself very easily. So I apologize if my thoughts can be a little bit incoherent or just don't make sense or if some of them intrude on another thought and then I end up not finishing the initial thought. Uh, movies are cool. <laughs> Those are the only two movies I can really think of. That's like all I got. That's like all I got.
there was other things I wanted to talk about, but I can't remember what the hell they were. You know? I'm sorry if this podcast ends up being really weird. I'm still figuring this out. I guess I'll bring up podcasts that uh, really inspired me in the past. I really wanted to do this podcast because I've always wanted a show where I could just talk and say whatever. And um, hopefully one of these days I'll be able to bring a guest on because... I know that talking by myself can be kind of boring, but I basically started this podcast because, for one, I love hearing my favorite content creators and influencers talk about their lives and talk about just random stuff. Like, the one podcast I really enjoyed listening to while it was still going on was the Jenna Julian podcast, and it was the first podcast I ever really got into. Like, the one podcast that I listened to quite a bit, other than Simply Podlogical, which is Simply Neologicals podcast. I love Christine and Ben, and I love their podcast. I don't watch it very often or listen to it very often, but when I do, I really do enjoy it. I really love Christine and Ben. I really love Jenna and Julian. And I always have fun when I listen to their podcasts. So those two really, those two podcasts really inspired me to make my own. And not just that, it's just, you know. I just really wanted to do something. I wasn't sure if back in the day I wanted to do a talk show or anything like that, but I wanted to do something where I could talk to people and just talk about whatever was on my mind or just cool things that I'm into that maybe other people can relate to. And I thought that was a distant dream, but now with YouTube and all my favorite content creators talking about stuff that they like and talking about current events and cool things that they're into that most other people are into, I love it. And a lot of other people love it too. So I thought maybe this is my outlet. And that's why I'm here. I mean, I just sometimes love to talk, I won't lie, I guess, you know, I love to talk and I often don't feel like I have a lot of important things to say, so I leave the unimportant stuff for this. Just stuff that I like to talk about. Just random things. Anything. Any pop culture, anything. You know, I used to talk to people about stuff that I liked and Back when I was younger, I liked a lot of stuff that not a lot of people my age knew about. It was really hard for me. And, um, you know, maybe I'll talk about them here. Like, when I was younger, I loved Saturday Night Live. And I would bring up references from, like, 1980s, 1990s SNL that kids my age, of course, are gonna go, huh? And I used to love that, but I also hated it because I was like, wow, these kids, of course they don't know. Like, they're not gonna go home and try to look up 90s SNL clips and watch them just to understand what I'm saying. They just looked at me and went, huh? And that was it. That was the extent of it. So, I don't know why, as a younger kid, I didn't understand that, you know, it was confusing for them and that it was gonna make them just scratch their head and turn the other cheek because they didn't understand what I was saying. I guess I just loved confusing people and going, that's right, that's what I thought. You don't understand the reference. But that's the thing. It gets sad when people don't understand the reference and it took me forever to figure that out, which is why probably I didn't really relate to a lot of kids my age because I was always just talking about random crap that only people a lot older than me liked. I was into Monty Python at one point and that's when I was like 13. I watched Monty Python's Flying Circus on IFC every night for a few months when I was in 8th grade 
and I loved the shit out of it. And that's really the only Monty Python thing I've ever seen. I've seen parts of Life of Brian, I've seen parts of the Holy Grail movie, but that is it. I've never watched all of them full length because I just don't have the heart. I truly loved Monty Python's Flying Circus, and that is honestly the extent of my love for Monty Python. I'm sorry if that makes me a poser, but at least I appreciate Monty Python in some sort of way. And who knows, one of these days I'll probably sit my ass down and watch the Holy Grail. I think Life of Brian is on Netflix. I've seen it on there. I think it's on my list still. I'll probably sit my ass down and watch it. I think Monty Python's Flying Circus is on Netflix. I have it in my list and I still have not gone back and watched it. And there was, okay, when I was 13, there was this episode I watched of Monty Python's Flying Circus that really made me laugh and I found it on YouTube years ago and now I can't find it anymore because it's a really random clip and typing it in in any way, shape, or form just doesn't do it justice because it's really hard to describe. But here's what happens, and for those of you who are like avid Monty Python fans, I really hope, you know, you probably won't even remember it, because this is just literally so random. But one thing that really made me laugh till I cried was this clip. Um, I think it was like a fake news story. Like, you know, they did a lot of, like, parody news stories on Monty Python's Flying Circus, and there was one in particular they did where I don't remember the context of it necessarily, but there were these two people that I like to describe as ninjas because I can't really think of what they actually were but there was a guy dressed in all black and a guy dressed in all red and you couldn't really see their faces and I don't know they had this habit of like popping up on people randomly and like doing something f***ed up to them like I don't know scaring them or something but because I can't remember really what they did up until this one particular moment that this is what made me laugh was that in the middle of this news story, they cut to a clip of the this guy in a canoe. This guy is just sitting in a canoe, not doing anything, minding his own damn business. He was just sitting in the canoe right in front of the lake. He was on, like, the, the bank. He wasn't even in the water. The canoe was, like, on land still. And the guy was just sitting there. And these the red and black ninjas come out of nowhere. And they pick up the canoe on each end. And they go, one, two, three, and they toss the guy, they toss the canoe with the guy in it into the water, and the canoe flips over, so the guy lands in the water with the canoe upside down, and I thought that was hilarious. I laughed for maybe like ten minutes straight after that. I cried. I cried. I was laughing so hard. Like, I, I was just, I was so amazed that something so weird like that made me laugh so hard. And then I, like, never saw that episode again until I found it years later on YouTube. And it's so weird because, like, I think I was, like, 15 when I found it. And it, it didn't make me laugh as hard, and I, I don't understand why. And I think now that I'm older, if I knew the context, I don't, even, I don't even know if then I would still laugh at it as hard. It's weird. Do you guys ever experience this? I experience this weird phenomena that happens to me where I'll laugh at something really, really, really hard the first time I hear it. And then I acknowledge it's funny on the inside, and then I'll hear the joke again, or I'll see the bit again, and then I don't laugh at it anymore. I don't know what that is. It's like, I know it's funny, and in my mind I'm like, this is so funny! It's funny! It's hilarious! 
but I physically cannot bring myself to laugh. I'll just smile. I don't know if it's like the anticipation or if I like mind myself into not laughing at it anymore, but it's like, I don't know, maybe it's like the first time if something's really that funny, it like makes me laugh all the laughter I'm ever gonna give to that bit or joke in that one instance and then like never again, but I'll still acknowledge in my mind that it's funny. So I don't know. Does anyone else experience that? Does that happen? Is that normal? Because it's not like it's not funny. I don't, you know, like there's lots of things that in my mind I'm like, that's funny, but I don't laugh at it. But sometimes there's something that's just so funny the first time. And I get it, you know, when you laugh or when you hear something or see something that's really funny, the first time it's always going to be the funniest because it's new to you and you didn't anticipate it. So it's, it's, it's funny because of like the shock value, even though it's not like necessarily shocking, it's just that you didn't know what was coming and then when you, f when you hear it or see it, you're like, wow, that's funny. And the first time is always going to be the best time because it's always going to be the first laughter, the first time you are exposed to it and you're going to have a really good laugh and that's the first and only time you're going to laugh that hard over it or feel the way you feel about it. But anyway, but that happens, you know? It's like, I read, I read, um, when I used to read A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket, there was a snippet in one of his books where he kind of described that, like, when you first, like, 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 everything that you experience joy from is not as joyful as the first time you experience it. And it, this is not verbatim, this is just kind of me, um, paraphrasing but not really because I, this is not exactly what he said I'm just trying to explain it the best way I remember it but his example was like the first time you ever take a sip of root beer you know the first time you're like oh wow root beer is delicious I love it I'm gonna take another sip and you know the more you drink root beer you know you're still gonna enjoy root beer but you're not gonna enjoy it as much as that initial sip over time it's just gonna be like okay root beer glug 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 meh but you still like it. It's just not as wonderful and as amazing as the euphoria you feel when you first experience that first sip of root beer, given you like root beer. I still remember the first time I tried root beer. I loved it. I liked, I used to love A&W root beer. Um, I do still like it. I just don't drink it very often because I don't drink root beer very often anymore. And um, A&W is not really, like, I don't know, I guess it's not really easy to come by anymore. At least I haven't seen it in stores as of lately. But anyway, um, so, it's, it's kind of, I don't, I know that there's that, like, it can be that way with jokes, too, or with something funny you see or hear. You can laugh at it only so much the first time around, and then after that, you get kind of numb to it, because the more you hear the joke, the more you're like, okay, it was funny the first maybe two or three times, and then... It's like, alright, I, I get it, I've heard it over and over again, you know, the chicken crossed the road or whatever crap, you know, uh, just whatever. But that I, I literally only saw that Monty Python thing one time, laughed really hard about it for like 10 minutes and then never saw it again until like two years later. So that really baffles me how I laughed so hard at it one time and then saw it again two years later and was just like, eh. And you know when I thought about it again, as as good as my memory serves, I still can't laugh at it to this day. Like, I think it's because it's been so long and because I realize I don't really understand the context of what was going on, I think it was just the initial moment that made me laugh because 
I don't think I was actually paying attention to what was going on in that bit they were doing. I think I just kind of caught on to what happened at that moment and just the randomness of it all. It was literally the randomness of these two ninjas coming out and flipping this guy over on the canoe. Because I didn't expect that. I just, you know, I was like, wow, that's f***ed up, but it was funny, you know? And uh, the guy didn't get hurt, you know? It was a very, it looked like a very shallow little lake that they were on. And, you know, the bank was kind of like, like, you know, when you first go into like a little river or lake, the, the, the bank kind of goes like this and you walk in the water and then it slowly gets deeper, but sometimes it's not that deep. And I mean, it, I'm pretty sure it wasn't that deep. So it's not like the guy drowned. It's not like he suffered. And, you know, it was in a controlled environment, obviously, because it was just staged for a little comedy. So, I mean, hell, of course we can laugh at it. It was kind of like something that would happen on AFV. That's probably why I laughed at it. And something like that, I think, is probably only good the first time around. Um, so anyway, I really don't know how long I've been going for, so I'm probably going to wrap it up real soon. Uh, there was something else I thought of. Speaking of funny things, there were a lot of funny things that I used to love as a child. I used to watch El Chavo, which I don't really want to get too much into that, because that was honestly like one of my biggest phases, but it was short-lived. I was maybe into El Chavo for like a year, a year and a half, from when I was like 15 to 16, 17 years old, and then I just kind of, I didn't outgrow it necessarily, like outgrow it as in like, I, like, I didn't outgrow it in the way you like outgrow Sesame Street and Dora the Explorer and Blue's Clues and stuff like that. I outgrew it in the way that like, I just kind of found other things that I was into rather than just staying stuck in a rut being only into like El Chavo. And for those of you who don't know, El Chavo is a very famous uh, sitcom in Mexico that was made in the 70s and had a really long run. It went from like 1971 to like 1991 or something like that. It was on for quite a while. And the guy who made it, his name is Chespirito, or in, that's his nickname, but his real name is forgive my white girl accent, but it's Roberto Gomez Bolaños is his full name. He was the creator and he's also the star. He plays El Chavo and the show is about a little eight-year-old boy who's homeless and he's an orphan and he lives in this neighborhood, kind of lives, but you know what I mean, he's homeless, but anyway. Um, and, he, and basically the whole show is just him interacting with the kids in his neighborhood and they get into all these shenanigans, and it's really just a lot of slapstick comedy. But, I don't know, it's brilliant. Like, if you don't understand Spanish, they have subtitled versions of El Chavo now. Um, I think you might find them on Netflix. It was on there a while ago, I'm not sure if it's still on there. But if you can find El Chavo and find it with subtitles, please watch it. Um, I think it's still... It's probably not going to be as funny with the subtitles because Spanish jokes don't always translate very well to English. Um, but if you do understand a little bit of Spanish, I think you'll still get a kick out of it. It's probably a good way to learn Spanish too, because it's pretty simple. You know, I was able to pick up what was going on most of the time, just from seeing what they were doing. So, you know, me not knowing a lot of Spanish, even as a half Mexican, which I know, shame on me, but whatever, not gonna go into it. 
uh, even as a half Mexican I st that doesn't really know a lot of Spanish, I still was able to laugh at it and understand some of what was going on and, you know, kind of pick up on what they were saying just by the things they were doing. So I still think it's enjoyable, even if you know just the tiniest bit of Spanish. I think it's probably, you know, a good way to learn. If you watch it a lot, you'll enjoy yourself and you might pick up some more Spanish. Maybe. I didn't really because... I don't know. I don't know why I didn't. That's weird. You know, people told me to start watching Spanish TV to learn Spanish and oddly enough, watching El Chavo as much as I did, I didn't really pick up that much more Spanish. I feel like I just kind of, like, there were things I didn't understand and I tried to learn what they were but I never really caught on. So, uh, it is what it is. Um... I did say I was into Saturday Night Live. I was into it, and um, for anyone who knew me back in high school, I was really big into it. Um, and I can honestly say it's been five years since I watched SNL. Uh, that's not necessarily a choice. Uh, I haven't had cable in five years, and I don't ever—I don't know if I intend to have cable ever again, to be honest. Um, I'm not saying I don't like SNL anymore, but uh, I think it's definitely gotten to the point where I haven't watched it in so long that I've kind of lost interest in watching it again. I might one day, who knows? But um, things, you know, things change. I was into it, and I think I gave all the energy I was going to give into being into it when I was a teenager. And I kind of wish I had been brave enough, or had even known how to set up something like this, because. I probably would have been a lot more interesting to talk to when I was 16. I had so much to talk about, but I probably would have not been as prepared or as enlightened on how the world works as, you know, you know, now that I'm an adult and I am a little bit wiser than I was when I was 16, I feel like I can probably compose myself a lot better now on this podcast as a person talking to a random audience of people. At least I'm a little more calm and composed and not just making stupid jokes for the hell of it because at 16 I was just so weird and so random I don't think anyone would have understood or related to me at all because I would have just been spewing whatever came out. So uh, at least a little more thought goes into what I say now than it did when I was 16. But uh, the sad thing is I was into a lot more stuff pop culture wise. Not that I'm not now, I just think you know, pop culture is so broad now that there's so many different things to be into and it's like everybody's into a little bit of something and then, you know, there's just there's just so many different things out there and because of the internet we can all go into our own little groups and talk about them and be invested in them in like one little area and then we could be invested in another group in another area. This podcast is going all over the place. So I apologize if it's a little bit long. I normally keep track of the time, but I didn't. And I think it's been over an hour now, so... Ah, I want to end it with like a joke or something, but I don't know. I'm sorry if this podcast wasn't entertaining. Ugh, I apologize way too much. I know that too, I apologize way too much. I... I... I have to work on that. Um, but the reason this podcast wasn't really as thought out, I don't really think about them. I'm still learning 
how to really do this and um, my week has been a little crazy so it's 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 been a rough few days uh, well I shouldn't say rough it wasn't really rough it was just more like my schedule kind of got I don't want to say mixed up either. It's not that my schedule got mixed up. It's just, it feels like a lot more happened. And there's some personal things that went on that kind of threw me for a loop. But it's all good now. Um, and I guess I just, you know, in this pandemic, there's been a lot going on and a lot to think about. And my life is slowly returning to normal, yet we're still in the midst of the pandemic. So I'm kind of caught in between that too. So... You know, it's it's weird getting used to this new normal, and I've only been working for about a month now, and I'm still getting into the swing of it, and I'm surprised it's taking me this long. Like, I'm back into the groove for the most part, but it's like my brain still hasn't fully accepted that I'm doing what I was doing before this pandemic started, because it's like in the back of my mind I know we're still in the middle of a pandemic and things are different you know my workplace is different there's changes obviously because of the nature of this pandemic and while I've accepted it I also still feel really weird because this new normal I, I often think even when I'm at work I often think like how long is this gonna be the new normal for like are we ever gonna see a day where we don't have to wear masks in public ever again because I certainly hope so. I really do. I mean, I really miss being able to be in a room full of people and not think about it, you know? I remember Black Friday last year being in a crowded space in public and not really worrying about catching a disease from somebody. You know, we weren't wearing masks last year at this time. Going to the mall or going to work or going to a grocery store and worrying about staying six feet away from somebody and wearing a mask. We weren't thinking about all that a year ago at this time. It just, it's so weird how a year later things are so different. And I just still can't wrap my mind around that. And you know, it's, it's gotten to the point where like, I'll watch TV shows that have been made long before this pandemic even happened and they'll be like all close to each other or going into a public place like normal and I'll say to myself for a split second, they're not wearing masks. Why aren't they wearing masks? And then it'll hit me, oh, this was made before the pandemic. And it's just so weird that that is in my mindset. And I feel so weird, even in cartoons, even in cartoons, like I watched Rick and Morty for the hell of it a while ago because I was so bored at home. And I just thought to myself, why aren't they wearing masks? And I'm like, wait, this is a cartoon for one and two. This was years ago, before this pandemic was even a thought, or even a possibility, and I just, I can't believe how much it's affected my mindset, and it's affected everybody, and everybody's going through it, everybody's weirded out by it, I'm sure, and everybody's accepted it for the most part, but I'm sure in the back of my minds we're all thinking, God, I hope one day this is over, I hope one day we can just go back to normal and not have to wear the masks and not have to worry about who's next to us and we can hug our friends and we can kiss our, our, our loved ones on the cheek again and have parties like normal and just be happy and not worry about getting sick 
I really hope that day comes back. I want those days to return so much and it's not for selfishness. It's just, you know, this has gone on so long that I just miss it so much. I, I want to go see my family. I want to go and have our awesome parties again where we all get together and we dance and we drink and we're happy and talking and hugging and, you know, I miss it. I miss it all so much. And this year I wanted to do more of hanging out with my family at their social gatherings, but because of this pandemic I haven't been able to. And I miss it. I really, 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 really miss it. And I was going to be more outgoing this year, and I was going to try to make more friends this year. And then the pandemic hit, and that put a halt on things too. So yes, I, I do long for those days again. I really want to just not have to worry about wearing a mask in public and I really just want to not have to worry about getting sick. So, sorry if I ended this on a negative note. I should end it with a positive note. So let's go back to jokes. I'm sorry, this is now going on longer than it should. So, yes, this probably will be edited again. I do apologize. Um, well, I'm really struggling to think of a joke. Just watch Borat's subsequent movie film. Watch Bill and Ted 3. You will love it. And if you haven't seen the first two Bill and Ted's, I recommend watching the entire series all at once. Just sit down, have a day of it, get some popcorn and some yummy snacks and your favorite drinks, and sit down in your favorite sweatpants or PJs or your most comfortable clothing and get a blanket and a pillow and make a fort and grab your stuffed animals or your loved ones or whatever makes you happy. I say stuffed animals because, you know, hell, I don't fucking know. Maybe you live by yourself and you got some stuffed animals and that's your company, technically, and I'm not saying that in a crazy way. I'm just being cute and saying, like, hey, you know, be like a kid, kind of, and have a fuck it all. Let's just chill out, veg out, and have a lazy day, movie day, and watch Bill and Ted all throughout. Bill and Ted 1 through 3. Because that'll take up like six hours of your day. And that's like half a day almost. More than half a day. Well, not really. I mean, 24 hours is a full day. But, you know, obviously that's going to be like if you have a day off and you just want a do-nothing day where you just chill and veg out, then watch Bill and Ted all the way through. And get comfortable and just f*** it. Just be like, hey, it's a lazy day. I'm just going to sit here and chill and watch Bill and Ted. Especially in this pandemic, I think that's more than allowed, you know? So, drink, eat, be merry, and let's just keep positive. Oh, you know what? Hell, the election. Um, the election hopefully will be over by the time this podcast is up, and we'll know who the winner is. Good luck, everyone. Thanks for watching. See you all in the next episode. And have fun. Bye-bye.